I'm John Carter in Moscow, in Havana, Cuba. Now in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. I'm John Carter in Petra, right here in communist China, reporting from India. Hi, I'm John Carter in the Solomon Islands. I'm John Carter in Soweto, from El Salvador. I'm John Carter in Sydney, Australia. John Carter tells stories from down under, grace abounding where least expected. Welcome back, my friend. We're talking about grace in the most unlikely places. We're talking about the land down under. We're talking about what's going on in Australia. There are many challenges today to the Australian dream, just as there are challenges to the American dream. You know, it sounds great, the American dream, and it's a wonderful concept. But Australia also has a dream. These are the challenges. See if you can empathize with this, my American friends. Drugs, anybody know what I'm talking about? Drugs, emptiness, and loss of purpose. Last night, Beverly and I uh, turned on television to watch a favorite speaker, uh, Ravi Zachariah. Have you ever heard Ravi? You know, he talks about the lack of purpose. Something's going on in society, and society is changing monumental leaps, monumental strides. There was a time in Australia, as there was in America, I believe, and you Americans will empathize with what I'm saying, there was a time when the old American was the most honest, hard-working person on the face of the earth. <laughs> and we didn't need too many attorneys, did we? Because if an American told you something, well, you could take it to the bank. You could believe this. But today we've got literally millions of attorney, attorneys because people don't trust each other anymore. I had an amazing experience a number of years ago when I was a boy uh, just finishing college many years ago. I got on my Harley Davidson and I rode through western New South Wales. A great country, it's I had this motorbike, a uh, great country, sheep, wheat country. I, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Where, where would I stay at night? I was selling books. So I'd travel in the daytime selling books. Then at nighttime, where was I going to stay? I had a, a most amazing experience. You know what would happen to me? I'd come along to a farm or a station, as they call them there, or a ranch, and they say to me, Boy, where are you staying tonight? Oh, I got nowhere to stay. Well, you're going to stay here with us. And the folks were so generous. People didn't rob each other. They didn't lock their houses, never locked their homes. Uh, they were just marvelously generous and overwhelmingly sincere people were these Aussie farmers. And there are still people like that today but they're getting less and less because the culture is changing and that's why we've got to have a, a heap of attorneys. Somebody said this, when the big God goes out, all the little gods come in. Ever heard that? You get rid of the big God and you don't get rid of religion, you get lots of other things. You get lots of substitutes. And many Aussies are replacing the big God with lots of little gods like football and cricket 
And in Australia, the main god is sport. I guess a bit like America. Have you folks heard of Dr. Richard Dawkins? He's the, he's the greatest atheist in the world. At least he's the best-known atheist. He's a great scientist from Great Britain. And he's been railing against the Christian church. He's been saying, you can't trust the Christian church. And the day is going to come, he says, soon, and we're going to get rid of the Christian church. But recently he's been saying something else. He's been saying, let's not get rid of the Christian church because as we get rid of the Christian church, now I'm going to whisper this to you, he's been saying this, he got in a lot of trouble for this, he's been saying this, if you get rid of the Christian church, the Muslims are going to take over England. A lot of people are saying, well, that's, that's sort of racist. Oh, well, maybe it is. But let me tell you something. When you get rid of one religion, you're simply going to get another one. And in Australia, they're kicking out many places. They're kicking out the big God and lots of little punk puny gods are coming in. And there's a feeling of restlessness and disillusionment, and a lack of purpose. The greatest sickness of our times, my friend, is, you know what it is? The greatest sickness of our times, it's meaninglessness. Our souls were made for God, and they cannot rest until they rest in him. Um, It is the truth. Let me talk a little bit about the Australian American Alliance. I'm glad that I'm a citizen of both countries and I love both countries. I have a great loyalty to the United States of America where I live. There's the ANZUS Treaty. A-N-Z-U-S. It's very old. It binds three countries together. Australia, New Zealand and the United States. Australia, New Zealand, the United States. John McCain, who was one of my heroes, made this statement. He said, he came out and spoke to the people in Canberra at the Capitol, and he said, we have fought and bled together like no other two nations on the face of the earth. He said, we have fought, we have fought side by side. We have been spilling our blood in the defense of freedom for more than a hundred years. Let me tell you a little bit about it. We fought together in the First World War. Bloody fighting. We fought together in the Second World War. In the Pacific. In the Middle East. In Europe. Americans and Australians. We fought together in the Korean War. As we fought against tyranny. And against communism. Australia was the only nation that went to the aid of the United States of America in the Vietnam War. Nobody else would do it. But Australians went and fought with the Americans and they lost, we lost thousands of lives because we believe in America and we love America. America is popular in Australia. In the first Iraq War, Australia answered the call and stood with America. In the Afghanistan war, Australia joined forces with America. In the second Iraq war, 
we were there. In the recent war in Syria, Australia stood shoulder to shoulder with America. Right now, the Americans and the Australians are building a mighty military base in the north of Australia because they believe the threat to security and freedom is going to come from the north of Australia. And so we still have the ANZUS Treaty. And so I'm very much at home in Australia because I was born there. That's the land of my birth. It's the land that nurtured me. But I tell you folks something, I'm very much at home with my American brothers and sisters. I love America. Let me tell you about an amazing and great medical outreach by a group of people who call themselves Adventists or Seventh-day Adventists in Australia. It's the Sydney Adventist Hospital. Uh, this is the, um, the Prime Minister of Australia at the time opening a new wing of the Sydney Adventist Hospital, affectionately called the Sydney San. San is short for sanitarium, not sanatorium. Uh, who are the Adventists? They're a small Protestant church. Not that small, though. There are 65,000 Adventists in Australia. What do they believe? They believe, first and foremost, in the gospel of Christ. They do not believe that they're saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. They believe in grace abounding. They believe in the second coming. That is why they are called Adventists. They believe in the coming of the Lord. They also believe in the commandments and the fourth commandment, which is the keeping of the Holy Sabbath. They believe in creation and they believe the body is the temple of God and they believe in caring for people. And that is why they have established around the world hundreds and hundreds of hospitals, none better than the Sydney Adventist Hospital, which is easily one of the great hospitals of Australia and not only one of the great hospitals of Australia, one of the great medical centers of the world. It was established in 1903 on land that had been purchased by the American prophet Alan White. It now has a staff of 2,300 people plus 500 volunteers and is serviced by 1,100 accredited medical officers. Annually, the Sydney Adventist Hospital has 58,000 inpatients and 20, 125,000 outpatients and delivers tens of thousands of little babies. Tens and tens and tens, possibly hundreds of thousands of little baby Aussies have been brought into the world in this hospital. It is a teaching hospital of the University of Sydney, which is like a hospital in uh, America being affiliated with Harvard or Yale. It is the gold standard. Uh, I was talking, this is the campus of the Sydney Adventist Hospital. I'm proud of this hospital because I was associated with it because I was the senior pastor on the large church on the campus of the Sydney Adventist Hospital. It is a great hospital. I don't want to go into a hospital particularly 
But if I could have the choice, which I may not have, I would choose the Adventist Hospital in Sydney. In fact, I was talking to the Prime Minister of Australia a number of years ago. He was a famous charismatic figure. His name was Gough Whitlam, the Prime Minister of Australia. He had just had a medical procedure done in the Sydney Adventist Hospital. It's the hospital of choice. It is the largest private hospital in the largest state, the state of New South Wales, the biggest, the wealthiest state. And he said to me, I have been in your hospital. He said, what a calling you people have. This is the hospital of choice for people who want the best treatment. You know what it tells me? It tells me that people who are small in number can do tremendous things for God. And even if you're down under, it doesn't mean you've got to stay down under. You can be right on top. You can be the head. You don't have to be the tail. And this hospital in Australia is the head. It's not the tail. Adventists in Australia punch above their weight. And they do this because they believe in the power of prayer and the power of grace. Now, let me tell you folks something. This whole body's going, been gone for a long time. I'm no longer a boy. Looking okay, don't you think? <laughs> folks, the Bible says your body is the temple of God. I believe this. I believe that this body here is the temple of God and this hospital exists because Adventists believe the body is the temple of God. I don't believe in putting garbage into the temple of God. A lot of people just laugh about this. Oh, nothing to laugh about when you're getting cancer, heart disease and diabetes and dementia and every other disease. If you look through the window here, just a moment, down the road, there is this large church with the red roof. That's the Warunga Adventist Church. It was my happy privilege to be the senior pastor of that church and to have hundreds of medical personnel as members of my congregation. When Beverly and I left to come to the United States, the Adventist Hospital took us in to a beautiful restaurant at the Sydney Opera House to give us a send-off because of our close relationship. We believe that the body is the temple of God. Now, I don't, don't believe in the nonsense that says, just eat what you like, do what you like, and God will bless you. Don't believe that. Because I believe the body is the temple of God, by the grace of God, I don't drink alcohol. People say, oh, that's... No. It says of John the Baptist, he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall neither drink wine nor strong drink. You can read that in the Bible. I want to be great in the sight of the Lord. You know, I don't want to have my mind all confused. Um, so I don't, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't, of course, I don't use 
drugs, recreational drugs. I don't believe in this stuff. I believe in following the diet that is outlined in the scriptures. And I believe in plenty of exercise. Yesterday, I climbed up in the mountains, walked for hours. I don't get shortness of breath. I can run up hills. And it's because I try to practice the teachings of the Bible. This hospital was found. Here's the Prime Minister, Tony Abbott, a number of years ago. He's opening the new wing of this great hospital. I think it has at least 30 operating theaters. It is a light that shines in the darkness. I mentioned New South Wales. People say, what on earth is that? Well, Australia was founded by the British. And over there in Britain, there was a place called Wales. And there was a very beautiful place that was called Southern Wales. And when they came to this part of the world, they called it New South Wales. So you've got a great state south of New South Wales. That is Victoria. It's one of the great states. I love it. The great city of Melbourne. Uh, They say it's the best city in the world. But then the biggest state is New South Wales. And the Adventist Hospital is the biggest and the best. People say you can't do these things if you don't have a huge group. No, it's not so. When you have the wind of God under your wings, you can rise to unattainable heights. Okay, let me move on. going to talk about your genes. Your genes are not who you are. Would you take your Bible and turn to Galatians chapter 3, 26 to 29. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 29. Your genes are not who you are. Galatians chapter 3, 26 and onwards. Have you got it? Galatians 3, 26 to 29. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. Here's according to the promise. Look at me. It doesn't matter about your genes. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter about the color of your skin. Don't talk this racism. What matters is the content of your character because of your relationship to Christ. But having said that, I'm going to show you my genes. (laughs) Some of my friends, to be nice to me, decided that they would um, take a little bit of my saliva. I said, what do you want my saliva for? It's my saliva. They said, we want a little. I said, I don't know what you're going to do with it. You may put it on something and get me convicted. They said, no, we're going to send it to, away to 23, I think it's called, 23 and me. So they sent it away. How curious can you get? They wanted to know. So it came back, John Carter. English and Irish, 87%. Beverly said, so what? You know, (laughs) what do you expect? We've known that. She said, I think you're 100% Irish because you're a bit impatient. Okay, 87%. Now, this was a stunner. 
French and German. Oh, I said, I don't like this. They're out to get me. French and German, 3%. Northwest European, the Vikings. Okay, don't take me on. Don't challenge me. The Vikings, 8.8%. This was a shock. Spanish and Portuguese. I said, I don't believe it. 1%. But it went on even further. Western Asian and North African, 0.2%. That means out of 500 of my ancestors, one of them came from the Middle East. I said, hallelujah. That's where Jesus, that's where Jesus came from. You know how it happened? Well, the Moors, who were Muslims from the Middle East, conquered Spain. And they married Spanish people. And some of those people went across the channel and they went to England. And so at least a few of my ancestors, have a look at this. This is sort of amazing. 87% in England, 8.8% Scandinavia, 3% in Germany, 1% in Spain, but then somebody came across here, married somebody, and this got up into here. <laughs> and I said, I'm sort of, a, sort of amazed. But it's what I really expected. But let me tell you folks something. Just remember, remember this. It's not your ancestry, but your relationship to the Messiah. We talk too much about race. And in the last few years, racism has become a real problem in America. You know, black people against white people, white people against black people, Jewish people. It's ungodly. It's unchristian. It's satanic. We should never be racist. And my, the lady who cuts my hair two or three times a year said, your genes make you the beautiful person you are. doesn't matter where you came from. I heard him on TV in Australia when I was a boy preacher. He was a black man. He said this, if we do not learn to live together as friends, we will die apart as fools. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day in the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I look forward confidently to the day when all who work for a living will be one with no thought to their separateness as Negroes, Jews, Italians, or any other distinctions. This will be a day when we will bring into full realization the American dream, a dream not yet realized. April 3, 1968, the day before he was murdered. 
I don't know what will happen now, said Martin Luther King. We've got some difficult day, a Baptist minister. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind, like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. So he was a black man and I'm a white man. But in the sight of God, he doesn't see white people or black people. He sees souls made in the image of God. I heard this, this preacher when I was down under. And it taught me this. It doesn't matter the circumstances. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or you're poor, whether you're white or you're black. With Christ in your heart, you can soar on wings like eagles. And by the grace of God, by his abounding grace, you'll be on top, even when you're down under. This is the word of the Lord. There's only one thing that really counts in this lifetime, your relationship to Christ. And then if you have a right relationship with Christ, you'll want to tell people about Christ. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. By the grace of God, we're going to do that. We are doing that. That is why we're going back to Cuba, to this communist land, to preach Christ. We're accepting an invitation to go to the, the vast, huge city of Manila, the capital of the Philippines. Been there before, but by the grace of God, we're going back. Please support us. And please stand with us in the preaching of the everlasting gospel. You say, how do you do it? Who, who pays the bills? We do. Do you get any help, financial help from the church? No, my friend, we don't. But we get a lot of help from God and from his children. Please support us in the preaching of the everlasting gospel. It's the most important work in all the world. Everything else is almost trivia. So would you please write to me? John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Do your best for Jesus. Do your best for the gospel. And in Australia, write to me at Terrigal. And we promise you this, every dime, every dollar is going to be used to win souls to our Lord Jesus Christ. Please write to me today. Thank you and God bless you. For a copy of today's program, 
please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.